baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. When you heard during the news, we'll keep watching this throughout the night, but the House did authorize the impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Uh, Some Republicans are presenting this, Laura, as kind of a procedural thing, like they've been investigating him anyway, so this just gives them full subpoena power. Um, 221 votes to 212, so every House Republican said, fine, Uh, yes. Are they ready to charge? That's a different question. Right. But uh, I suppose this is just uh, what we can expect for every presidency going forward. That's what I was going to say. It just seems like it's the norm now, doesn't it? Yeah. And I guess, like, I don't know. I'm not, like, apoplectic about it. It's not the downfall of democracy. But to me, it it is this sort of cycle of investigation nonstop does destroy. Whether it actually distracts from real work getting done or just makes you feel like it. Is it optics or is something I don't actually know. getting accomplished? I, don't yeah. you feel, though, when you see it, you're like, is this all these guys have to do? Like, just investigate Joe Biden and investigate. You're like, could we just move forward as I a country? I just feel kind of desensitized to it all. Yeah. You know, I don't. Remember how big when Bill Clinton, yes. that impeachment? right. right. And now you're like, yeah. Another one. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Right. A uh, couple things I wanted to talk to you about mm-hmm. today, including uh, this story I read that Dakota Johnson, do you know her? She's an actress. Yes, Don Johnson's daughter. She was in Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Yes. Okay. Very talented. Very Sleepy? Sleepy. She told the Wall Street Journal that she is not functional if she gets less than 10 hours of sleep. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. And she could easily go 14 hours of sleep in one night. Hmm. 14 hours of sleep. If that is what you require, you should see a doctor. That is too much sleep. Hopefully she has seen a doctor. Yeah, that is unusual. 10 hours of sleep. She's a 34-year-old woman. Yeah. That's a lot of sleep. It is a lot of sleep. Isn't the norm seven to nine hours? I I believe that's the norm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or Um, what you are, what's a healthy, considered a healthy amount. Right. Right. The norm is probably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you sleep pretty well? No. No. Yeah, that's right. That's been a a bit of a a later development for you. Yeah. I go in spurts. Like right now I am sleeping well. So I just like to tell myself it's going to continue and hopefully it will. Yeah. But, yeah. My mind runs too much. Yeah. You should try meditation. Yeah. It really helps. Really helps. That, it, it might be worth... I mean, I, for my first year and a half here on this shift... Yeah. ...have been sleeping like a baby because, you know, I'm sleeping off 10 years of waking up at one, two in the morning. Yeah. And your brain <laughs> is, is learning a new thing, like yeah. how to host this show and... You know, you probably always have ideas in your mind that where it doesn't really shut down, and that can be exhausting. So I'm a little better about that now, but there are times that 
you just wake up in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. you're like you're thinking about something. Mm-hmm. And... I always have a song in my head, and I and I I think that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. But I always wonder where does it come from? Where does this come from? Sometimes it's that a song. it emerges while you're sleeping, and then you when I wake up, yeah, oh, there's wow. like a song going through my mind, and I don't know. Sometimes it's a, a song that I've been working on for my latest guitar lesson or sometimes it's just a song that I like that maybe I've been listening to in my Spotify Mm. you know but it's weird it's like I wake up and almost every time there's a song in my head interesting Mm -hmm. it's not the worst thing in the world but it is like you you do wonder what introduces exactly yeah I have something for you to consider today yes so I get one of my favorite magazines of all time is real simple oh yeah I love we get that too yep Mm -hmm. I just love it and there's an article in my most recent um, issue about awesome the word awesome Hmm. and when you take the awe part of awesome what can you do every day to find some bit of awe in the day like what brings you awe what kind of stops you in your track tracks and it teaches you to just kind of open up your mind and have an extra awareness of things you see or experience that just kind of bring you true awe and I've been doing this for about the last three weeks and I keep track and I've been writing things down of what has been bringing me awe. what are some of the things wonderful well, for instance, this morning, after I dropped Chris off at work, I dropped him off in downtown St. Paul early, kind of just after sunrise, and I take a turn and drive by Rice Park, and all of the beautiful trees in Rice Park are are um, decked out in white lights that are just glowing and perfectly spaced, oh, and it's just gorgeous. It the whole park is lit up, hmm. and the tree, they have Chris, the Salvation yeah. Army Christmas tree, too, but Today, that was my awe. There was an awe about a week or so or so ago. Again, in the early morning, I was driving home, and I got off on my exit, and it had been right after we had a snowfall overnight, just a little bit, like last Wednesday or something, when we had a little bit of snow. And it was the kind where every single branch was just coated in oh, the beautiful, frosty, yes. white snow, you know, like a... Postcard, like, like a Christmas right, card, right? And so things like that. Like I've, I just try to find I, awe. I've been reading about this principle. I've seen Good. this elsewhere, yeah. where they, they even call it like taking an awe walk break or a walk or yes. a break, where you go yes. with the intent of like trying to find, find things. Something. Yes, it's really rewarding. You know, I was talking to a guy this morning who I met for coffee, and one of the things we were talking about is the fact that because people are working hybrid or working remotely or not. Uh, in, you know, uh, uh, interacting with other people as much mm-hmm. is that part of like forcing yourself to leave your house and do a different routine and be in a work is that you do expose yourself to some of these things where yes. you're like, oh, neat. And if you just are in your same surroundings at all times, yeah. it's sometimes difficult to like evoke that awe. And you're kind of closing your world. You're kind of, you know, d- putting the blinders on a little bit. Were, were but- we talking about this, Dan, this idea that like there's there are uh, awesome, magical, noteworthy things that, you know, even even little stuff like, you know, th- the fact that the human body that you're you can hold a pencil. That mm. these two hands kind of, these two fingers to come do. together and know what to do. Like sort of, they, if you do focus, like maybe meditation isn't your thing or mindfulness isn't your thing, but this idea of of finding 
those things that give you awe, it right. takes you out of your normal contentious yes. self or whatever. Yes. We were talking about that because we're going to do a segment on that on Monday. So Good. There will be part of that. There will be, yes. yeah, be some of that in there. What's the gist? Just really intricate, well, amazing things Monday, your body Jeez. can do? On Monday. Okay, on Monday. 4.05. So this is a tease. Yes. Let's everybody listen on Monday. Yes. Okay, 4.05. Got it. That's good. I'll be here. Good. I'll be I here. will too. <laughs> do you know how much a stamp costs? Uh, no. I'm going <laughs> to guess probably about 40 cents by now. Text in right now <laughs> with your guess as to how much a stamp costs at 651-461-9226. Because Dan sent me this story today, and I should ask this question first. If I were, like, really doing a good job in talk radio school, I would have asked this question first, and then we could have wrapped up the question with this. But it did make me realize that I have no freaking idea how much a stamp costs. Me neither. You just buy a book of them and there you and go. we still have them. And, like, we usually buy our stamps at Costco. Yeah. And you get the book. Mm-hmm. And you're like, we're fine. We do not send out Christmas cards. Yeah, I don't anymore either. Which is, I'm sort of sad about, but I've made my peace yeah. with this decision. Yeah. My wife was like, this is dumb. And it's, she's right. It is kind she of is sad, right. though. I agree with you because I love getting the cards, and we used to get I a like whole getting bunch them. of yep. them. We used to send them, and it's just a dwindling thing now. We have one card so far this year. Just one? Just one, yeah. I like when you get a card from, like, an unexpected yep. <laughs> place. Like, here's someone. You know what I got yesterday? I got, oh, this was the most disappointing Christmas card you could imagine. <laughs> it on the return address, it says the Capitol Grill. I'm like, oh, oh boy. baby, what is the Capitol Grill sending? Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. And See it, you in 2024. It was a card from their PR department, but it was sort of thick. Mm. So you're like, oh, what's in here? And there, there's a card inside, like an envelope inside the card. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking like gift card maybe? Yeah. Like, that would be fun. No, it was just the PR lady's uh, card. But then there was, like, some champagne company uh-huh. had, like, <laughs> an ornament. Like, one of these, like, brass-looking, oh, shiny sure. ornaments yes. that, like, if you, you twist the center and then it look, looks like a globe. Yeah, yeah. You're like, come on, man. Like, what? <laughs> How about a gift card for a big, juicy steak? <laughs> yes! Huh? Right! I'm like, man, Capitol Grill! Yeah. That's the best PR uh, ever. If they sent me a gift, well, I don't. I guess it worked fine. I just spent two minutes there you go. making people think about a delicious steak. Exactly. People are texting their guesses. 49 cents, says Mark from Minnetonka. Mm-hmm. We got a 51 cent. 49 is the low guess. 52, 60, 62. <laughs> Jeffrey and Richfield has the right answer, as does Mike and Egan. 66 cents. It is 66 cents for one stamp these days? Never in a million years would I have guessed that. Oh, me neither. Now, was that the point of the story that Dan sent me? I don't think so. Although it is the genius of this website where the where the uh, subject, like the headline says, how much do stamps cost Jeez. now? I'm like, gosh, this is how much the world has changed. That's that crazy. Like, I literally had no idea. I think the last time I had an idea, it was maybe 32 cents. Yes. And then maybe it became (laughs) the forever stamp, and it was probably intentional because people stopped paying attention to the price going up. 
They just knew to get a forever stamp. At the start of the year, first class mail's forever stamp was 60 cents. And in July, it went up to 66. Wow. So if you send out 50 cards, last year it cost you 30 bucks. Now it costs you 33 bucks. That's amazing. Now, it's still 66 cents is still very cheap for someone to come to your house, take something, and bring it to wherever else in the world, right? Yeah. Like if you wanted me to come to your house and pick something up and bring it to Dan's house. Right. I would charge you more than 60 cents. Exactly. <laughs> Gas money and all that. I would do it for free. 66 cents. That's though. a lot. Yeah. I thought it, I don't like I don't want to be that guy. No, like but all it's, of a sudden I'm Andy Rooney here. It's shocking. You remember when stamps <laughs> cost less than my, you know, we're not doing that. But still, I was shocked. I thought you would be too. Indeed. Uh have a good walk tonight. Thank you. I'll see you. Are you here tomorrow? I am here tomorrow. See you then. Sounds good. Laura Oaks here on CCO. It's 520. D-Rush Hour news headlines coming up next. This story is so, so great. A Minnesota woman never got her high school diploma, never officially graduated. And it wasn't her fault. Writing a wrong is one of our stories. What is the top social media site for teenagers right now, and the question about the expense of merch at concerts. All that and more as the D-Rush Hour news headlines coming up your way next. D-Rush Hour news headlines at 524 on the 13th of December. Christmas right around the corner. We start with a Minnesota woman, one credit short of her high school diploma. It was not her fault. 62 years later, that Minnesota school righted a wrong. So that is the principal of Nashua Kewatin High School. Talking to Madison Lee from Northern News Now. Carol Clark McBride was born with uh, cerebral palsy. Uh, She has passed away, but her condition made it difficult for her to complete a necessary gym credit. So she was part of the class of 1961. She didn't get her gym credit because she had CP. But back at that time, they said, well, the rule is you got to have a gym credit. I don't know. Too bad. They said too bad. The law has changed. obviously, to create exceptions for people who have special needs or special conditions. The school just didn't... Could you imagine in 1961, the school... I mean, today, it would be the lead story on the news, right? Like, this school won't give this kid a diploma because they... Because CP means no... Just so wild. Um, Carol's eldest daughter was there, along with other part of the family to receive the diploma at the school this week. Carol's eldest daughter, I love Bonnie McBride's quote, I didn't know when I was little because my mom wasn't different from any other mom. They're like, of course. So a cool story. Glad they, they fixed that. Good, good on the principal for, I mean, I don't know why it took 61 years, but they got it done. What is the top social media site for teenagers? The truth is it's not really close. 
The AP are reporting that 71% of teens say they visit YouTube every day. New survey from Pew Research Institute. 16% of YouTube users in that teenage, kind of 13 to 18 range, say their use is almost constant. 17% say they use TikTok almost constantly. Uh, Snapchat was at 14% constant use, Instagram 8%. So YouTube overall, 93% of teenagers say they use that. They use YouTube. TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram followed. But all of those were in the 60, 50 and 60 percentage use, so not even close. Uh, Snapchat a little bit on the rise. The other sites a little bit on the decline. But overall, even with messaging that young people are spending too much time. Wasn't it the Surgeon General who said social media is is a, a health risk to America's teens? Nobody's listening. Nobody's changing their habits. You are not losing your mind, St. Paul. Some of your streetlights are turning a purple blue. That's so don't don't try to change it yourself. Fred Mello and the Pioneer Press. Imagine like you got this stupid streetlight outside your Outside your home, you already were annoyed when they put in the LED streetlights because even though they're, they save energy, your eyes take a while to get used to that particular hue. And then these LED bulbs that were put in between 2017 and 2019 are failing. And they're turning blue and purple. So many cities are having the same issues. Charlotte, Topeka, Vancouver, Dublin. Uh, it's the Autobahn series that that should have been the sign right if you're naming your led light bulb after the german highway with no speed limit like that's not that doesn't say reliability to me uh city's street lighting system in st paul has thirty-seven thousand light fixtures if you want that for your trivia contest tonight of course not all of those thirty-seven thousand fixtures got new bulbs between 17 and 19 but a lot of them did And if you have one of those, uh, it's not an alien invasion called the city. Why is merch so expensive at concerts? One metal band is blaming the venue. No, that's that's metal. Falling in reverse is the name of the band. Armory, the armory in Minneapolis. They were just uh, unloading. That was a social media video from somebody who was at the concert. Star Tribune reporting about this today. Chris Riemann Schneider was actually on with Chad. If you want to check out the Chad Hartman Show podcast, uh, wherever you get podcasts or on the Odyssey app, you can listen to that conversation. But the argument is this. Armory takes a 25% cut off of merch. You can see if you're a, uh, if you're a band, you're ticked. You're like, already we got to pay for stuff, and then this. They're making all this money on tickets. But from the venue standpoint, like, if Dan Cook printed T-shirts and sold them at Kohl's, guess who's taking a cut? Kohl's. So, like, the Armory should just sell this stuff for free? Is 25% too high? That's a different question. Uh, Chris reported that many venues are between 10 and 20% of the merch sales. Some U.S. venues have gone as high as 40%, but 25%, uh, a little high, but I don't know. Was it worth all those F-bombs? Got to keep it metal, baby. 
Maybe like the whole thing's a charade. He just ran out of merch or something. 531, that's the D-Rush Hour News headlines. Former Minneapolis Mayor R.T. Ryback of the Minneapolis Foundation making news today talking about uh, the future of downtown Minneapolis. What are, What's it going to look like? What could we do? How do we revitalize it? All of that and some interesting provocative ideas I think you'll have thoughts on. R.T. Ryback joins us next on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Downtown Minneapolis is not coming back to what it was like in 2019. It's not. It's just not going to happen. Everyone's not coming back to work. Target's not going to make them come back. Hennepin County doesn't seem like they're going to make everybody come back. I wish everyone would come back. My wishes are not a strategy for what downtown Minneapolis is going to be like. And today, the Minneapolis Foundation has come out with... Three major kind of areas of recommendations, a vision as to how the business district can be revitalized, brought back to life, but not brought back to what it was. The CEO of the foundation, uh, former Minneapolis mayor, R.T. Ryback, is with us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline to talk about some of these recommendations. I'm sure, R.T., you wish that everybody would come back downtown and come back to work as well, but we got to get to reality here, right? Well, we do. Hey, by the way, good talking to you again. Um, The fact of the matter is downtown Minneapolis over many decades has been written off many times and has reinvented itself for the moment many times. This is one of those times, but there is, I think, a bigger opportunity. Yes, huge um, challenges with the change in office, with, you know, lingering effects of a pandemic, changes in retail. Got it. Right. Right. However, I start this report that I didn't write, but I did the introduction that talked about standing at the top of the IDS in the mid 80s, supposedly the glory days pointing out the window to a visitor and saying, here's downtown. He looks out the window and looks one way and the other and says, where is it? Because the fact of the matter back then, downtown was six vital blocks. And what he looked out on was a warehouse uh, district in what's now the North Loop with abandoned warehouse, looks at the river, the railroad tracks, looks at the Metrodome, parking lots all over, looks at Loring, which was a, a shade of what it is today. The fact of the matter is, that while people have been writing the death knell of downtown, downtown has been growing and turning into a collection of villages that have huge assets. And now what we need to do is blend them together, meaning um, the whole downtown plan for decades was retail on Nicollet, entertainment on Hennepin, office on Marquette, you know, segregate all these uses. Well, Now what we really need to do is to do what we're learning in these villages that the central business spawned, which is people mix up where they live, where they work, where they get entertainment. And so it's not rocket science to simply say that the office core 
can do what the North Star building that you uh, that's right across from your yeah. offices is now being converted to housing. It's exactly what needs to be done um, in many other places. That's one piece of it. It also means more uh, as more residential comes in, more services like the great Target store will serve those residents. And office is always going to be a piece of it. And there are plenty of people coming into downtown. I can say that as somebody who's in the IDS every day, office will be a big part of it, but it won't be the only part. And that's cool. It's fine, right? It's fine. R.T. Ryback is with us. This is sort of the area uh, of shifting from what was an eight-hour downtown, where people were coming downtown to work, to really a, a, a workplace and a residential space. I will say this. I am skeptical that in Minnesota, an area where so many people uh, want to have a little bit of space, I I am skeptical that somehow downtown Minneapolis is going to attract another 40,000 residents. I just don't know know, that that's realistic. And that is so completely true. And it's exactly what I heard. When in the 80s, we were beginning to say that maybe a couple people would live on the river where tens of thousands of people, the same thing that was said, who would live in a warehouse in the North Loop? Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is, well, I'd love to live in a warehouse in the North Loop. So I get you. I, I get that. But but there is there are practical considerations of the challenges of like trying to re- repurpose. I, I, I guess let me say this. Who cares that some of these offices are going to be unoccupied? We're going to have to figure out, like, okay, maybe we don't need all of these skyscrapers. Maybe maybe we need to change zoning to allow other sorts of things to populate the first floor since you're not going to get retail in all these places. Which is specifically one of the things in the report. You make a good point as far as public policy or what we should care about. If some of these offices don't completely fill back up, I'm sad for investors, but it's not a massive public policy issue except for a couple things. The downtown's vitality has carried the tax base of this city and this county and this region and this state. And that's right. There is a financial issue on that. It's going to be but a big issue. Is, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, but nobody, including this report, is suggesting that everything turns to housing. There are solid, good examples as part of the mix. There also uh, are a couple things that can be done right away. Take buses off Nicollet, turn that into a street that can be much greener, which was the original plan, where we can maybe through the winter have the whole winter be a winter street like we did in the Super Bowl. Tear down the parking ramp next to the post office, create a connection there to the river. Mm. Those are immediate things. And more important, recognize that the the plan for this can't just come from one organization or from the just the traditional places it's great like the downtown council is doing a long-range plan which is awesome the mayor did a plan for retail and nicolet awesome this report took some of the ideas from that they took it from a series we did with the minneapolis foundation did with walker arts center called abundant cities that talked about getting more people at the table artists, young people, people of color. So you look at an experiment that's paying off. The downtown council did a great plan called Chameleon Shops, which popped up a series of shops focused on giving entrepreneurs of color opportunity. 
that can be one of those things that if somebody wants to do something great, fund those things long term. So, you know, don't look for other people to come in and save this thing. Downtown historically had a base of, let me put this in real shorthand, five white guys with their name on a company who go into the Minneapolis club and, and do some things together. Good, helpful, really different moment in time we're in right now. Now is the time to build, and I'm, you know, we got a lot done that way, but it's not today. What we really need to do now is to build a much bigger coalition. So historically, downtown had been planned by the office community. That's hugely important, but now we got to bring in more of the hospitality, more of the um, residential group, the North Loop, the East Town, the Riverfront, and youth groups, people of color, other uh, communities, um, and broaden the tent of discussion and broaden the people involved. How much is safety a part of this? Safety is absolutely important, and there's been a tremendous amount of work on that, some really good progress, more work to be done. But but these past few years, the entire conversation about downtown has revolved around the enforcement part of safety. And those of us who have worked in these issues for many years recognize that enforcement is an important part. So is vitality and activation. And we have fallen down on that second part of that. And every article about downtown seems to start and go back to that important, but not not only issue. So, for instance, that point I made about Nicollet Mall. Yeah. Imagine a Nicollet Mall where in the winter people are having a sauna, going to a fire pit, cross-country skiing down it. Bars and restaurants can stretch out. The, the buses aren't interrupting everything else. That's a very safe environment. Um, and um, that's not the only thing to be done, but it is time to stop saying that safety is only about enforcement. It's a critical piece, but we can't constantly deter the conversation about vitality with that. I will say I could not agree more with that. And I think the number one thing that would help with the perception of safety is uh, vitality and busyness. And if you have people around, you feel better. If it's empty, you feel nervous. I mean, that's sort of human nature and reality. And I understand there's a segment of the population that seems particularly invested in sort of like trying to prove that downtown is unsafe. I'm here every day. You're here every day. Not to deny the issues that are real, uh, but also the great parts are real as well. Like you have to accept you have to accept both sides of that, I think. Let's let's go to that whole point that you just made for a second. I've known for a long time that there's a uh, anti-downtown cheering section, usually uh, enforced with the idea of saying, and this has become quite in vogue in certain places, my neighbors and I were all talking and none of us will come downtown. Fair enough. Tell me why. Well, because no one goes there. Well, as somebody who goes there, you and I know that's not true. They'll come up with myths about all sorts of things happening. They don't. And honestly, I'd like them to spend less time talking to their neighbors and go out and have a great time in a downtown where lots is going on. Now, a lot more needs to happen, but 
seen. Nobody goes downtown to the people who were in the traffic jam I was in coming down out of downtown in 35W yeah, or no, Taylor Swift. People or are going to concerts theater. or going to the theater. Yeah. The theater has been bumping all December. The Hennepin Theater District. The Timberwolves are playing well. That brings people down like... We got down at Zalo today. It's packed. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, exactly. house. What What would you bring if you could set up? You know, I, one of the one of the things uh, targeted in this issue is the fact that you know traditionally in these larger buildings downtown, there's been a requirement to have retail or restaurant on the first floor. Uh, that has to change, right? Because you're not going to get that level of retail necessarily downtown. If you could dream it up, what would you love to see downtown that might attract people to come visit? Yeah, well, first off, I just want to say this report that we published from the Minneapolis Foundation on our website was written by three people, Sarah Harris, David Frank, and Beth Shogren, who have decades of great experience, very varied experience. So some of the things that they talked about were there are some of the public policy issues like, yeah, We've required people to have retail on the ground floor, but there may be additional incentives on that. We also need to recognize that there was great public investment. And I helped advocate for some of this before I was mayor, and it was the right thing then, and it is now wrong, which was to create spaces for more large retailers on Nicollet Mall. Those become obsolete, so we need to either break those down a bit or – Think for a little bit about the great ideas coming around the country about how to use. There are lots of vacant large retail spaces, so there may be some uses, athletic club, medical, uh, medical facilities. Sure. Uh, you know, invent our own attractions, including you know, you go to Washington, the Spy Museum. What the hell is that? It's, right. it's one of the <laughs> right. biggest attractions. Right. Yeah. But but the the point is that um, some of those things will actually be part of part of the the future but i also think we shouldn't overreact or overcorrect the the vision of what downtown can should be is what it is plus bleeding or in blending in more of what we're seeing in east town in north loop when the stadium was the football stadium was being built the biggest challenge i had at the legislature was convincing people that something would go around it Nothing will ever get built there. Nothing happened right, around the metro. Right. Well, look at what we did in planning then. There was a great public space in the commons. There was housing. There there was uh, was retail. There were hotels. You see that area now. Two billion dollars of investment. And now it was all. not around the old model yeah, of isolating yeah. those uses. Right. You got to put them all together. Two, that's like four blocks yeah. from Nicollet Mall. Right. The North Loop is great. When I stood up and gave a speech in 2010, I'm guessing, about Washington Boulevard, a grand boulevard from the university all the way through the North Loop, people literally laughed at me. That actually has happened. So we have to recognize, like, the downtown's pulling closer to the river where it started. That's okay. That's all right. That's yeah. great. Mayor, we appreciate it. R.T. Ryback with us from the uh, Minneapolis Foundation, their report on what comes next for downtown Minneapolis. Thanks, RT. 552. Thank you. Back in a minute. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 